This is a marketing communication. Please refer to the key information document or KID before making any final investment decisions. Investing involves risk. The value of an investment and the income from it may fall as well as rise and investors might not get back the full amount invested. Past performance does not predict future returns. The mention of any particular security or strategy should not be considered as a recommendation. For further information on the Brunner Trust, please go to www.brunner.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the 18th and latest installment of Connected Investor, the podcast from the Brunner Investment Trust. I'm Joe Lynham, the BBC presenter and News Talk business editor. And in this podcast, we're going to touch on some of the specifics of companies held by the trust and especially those in the technology sector. We're not allowed to give views on individual stocks as that could constitute advice. But we think it's interesting to examine just what it is that some of the portfolio companies actually do and their relevance for investors and, of course, the Brunner Fund. I'm joined by the co-lead of the Brunner Investment Trust, Julian Bishop. Hello, Julian. Hello, Joe. You're flying solo today. Christian can't join us. Can we start, if I may, Julian, with the performance of the portfolio so far this year as we approach the final furlong? Uh, Yeah, so our our, uh, financial year ends at the end of November. If we do end ahead of benchmark, that'll be the fifth year uh, in a row, uh, which is very satisfactory. Um, So we're getting a bit of a... What is the benchmark, Julian, just so our audience understands? Sure. So we, we have a, a hybrid benchmark. So it's 30% UK and 70% global. So the idea is it's a one-stop shop for the UK investor who wants some exposure to the domestic market, but also wants exposure to all the um, all the stocks in America, Europe and, and, the, and the Far East. Okay. And you were telling us how the fund has performed thus far. Yeah. So 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 far this, this financial year, we're, we're having a good year of, of relative to that benchmark. Uh, if we finish ahead, that'll be the fifth year on the trot of of our performance. And and what's really satisfying about that is that's across a very wide range of market conditions when growth has worked, when value has worked. So we're really getting a reputation for consistency. So Brunner has 22% of the fund invested in financials and the same amount in industrials. Why is that? Uh, well, the, the, the fact that they're the same amounts is, is purely... Uh, Coincidence, of course, but you're you're right to point out that they're both relatively uh, large weights. I mean, a couple of things to mention here is the first thing is that we don't allocate by sector, so we're bottom up investors. We do our research into business quality, growth, and valuation. Um, when an investment case passes muster, we take a, a stake, and it so happens that on that basis, we find a lot of opportunities in those in those two uh, sectors. Um, Second thing I think it's important to emphasize is that those sectors are incredibly diverse. So if you take financials, for example, I think when you talk about the financial sector, most people envisage traditional banks and insurers. And we actually have quite low exposure to both of those types of of businesses. They don't tend to meet our quality hurdles. Uh, But we do have, for example, in financials, we have an insurance broker uh, called AJ Gallagher. We have a derivatives exchange operator, uh, CME, which is the old Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Uh, S&P Global, uh, which is a credit rating business and uh, lends its name to indices like the S&P 500. And those are all businesses operating in industries with really attractive market structures, decent growth, business models that 
um, don't require much capital to grow, so therefore can generate a lot of free cash. Uh, and then industrials equally, you know, have a very wide range of, of, of investments in an equally diverse range of sectors. So, you know, we have pest control businesses. We have a business that arranges networks of wooden pallets for the delivery of goods. We have Visa in there, the um, payments network, and um, Accenture, Accenture, the global IT implementation firm that's classified in financial terms as a as an industrial holding. So again, you know, very, very wide range of, of different businesses, all of which, you know, share the characteristics of, of, of quality, a bit of growth and as much valuation as we can find. So as much value as we can find. Yep. So from pest control to some fairly bleeding edge technology, uh, the fund has about 18% invested in information technology. Which innovations would you say are making the most waves? Yeah, so we, we have 18% in the tech sector. We Most of that is attributable to two subsectors. So we, we like software businesses. So we have holdings in Microsoft, um, Adobe, and Intuit. And things we like about the software businesses is that they tend to be very, very sticky businesses. So once an entire cohort of users is trained on a particular piece of software, they tend to become users for, for life. So the most obvious example there is with Microsoft Office. The files are standards, so you can share them with other people in the industry and so on. And the same applies for Adobe. Adobe is best known for Photoshop, so pretty much every graphic designer in the world will use um, Adobe software. Intuit equally for, for, for tax and for small businesses who are dealing with um, payroll, that sort of things. And then, of course, in software, you're talking about a pretty incredible business model where the incremental cost of publishing one more copy is approximately zero. So it's not like, you know, you're, you're um, Cadbury and you have to go out and make another chocolate bar to sell. You, 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 you press a button and then there's another digital copy of, of, of Excel. So the economics for the winners are absolutely, uh, absolutely superb. Uh, the other area we have uh, a great deal of exposure to is semiconductors. Um, and, and there I would highlight two investments. So one is called TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation. And this is what's called a foundry. So it's basically the factory which makes uh, pretty much all the world's leading edge chips. So if you've heard of NVIDIA chips for artificial intelligence, um, down to the, the chip in your iPhone, uh, they will pretty much all be made by TSMC um, in, in their factories. One of the suppliers for their factories um, is a Dutch company called ASML. And uh, what they do is they specialize in an area called lithography um, and precisely something called EUV lithography, which is some of the most mind-blowing technology that exists on the planet. And is that that's extreme ultraviolet. Um, in fact, I was at the Intel new fabrication unit launch only last month, and I saw the ASML kit use, being used oh, wow. to to make chips for Intel. So that's very, very geopolitically important as well as important for your mobile phone, all that in the sense that no continent wants to lose that tech, does it? No, that's that, that's correct. And at the moment, um, well, it's a great book on this topic actually called called The Chip War by, by Chris Miller, which is you know, a great read for people who are interested. But today, most of the world's most advanced chips are made in Taiwan, which is obviously at the center of a geopolitical you know, fracas between China and, and, and the Communist Party and, and, and Taiwan. So what a lot of companies are trying to do is now establish the capability to make these chips in places like Ireland, in, in the United States, and so on and so forth. Um, but what's common here is that they all require um, kit from, from ASML. And just 
just to take you through the um the sort of very basics of what they do so they make lithography machines and you know if you're a classicist you'll know that lithography means stone writing essentially it's the um projection onto i a, didn't know that <laughs> onto a um onto a very fine an incredibly flat like to an atomic level uh silicon wafer of the image of a semiconductor and the most advanced semiconductors you know, a good example the in the iPhone 15, so I was just looking at my iPhone, the A17 chip there it has approaching 20 billion transistors in about three centimeters squared. And, and the way they're made is, is much like a, a dark room. You know, you, you, you shine a light and then onto this silicon wafer and it creates a bunch of chemical reactions that are then exposed and leaves behind a pattern of, of, of the semiconductor. And the line widths, as they're called, which is essentially the little lines, there's, there's the little wires, if you like, that connect all these transistors, are now so small that they're, they're three nanometers wide. A nanometer is about a millionth of, of, of a millimeter. So, um, wow. so much smaller than, much finer than an individual hair on your head. Yeah. So, so for example, a, a human hair, I believe, is about 100,000 nanometers wide. We're talking here three nanometers, which apparently is how far your, your thumbnail grows in in three seconds. Um, and the thing about this is it's far, far lower than the wavelength of light. So if you think about projecting this image, it creates all, sort of, uh, all sorts of problems. So what these companies have had to do is basically invent new forms of light. And where ASML have got to is this, is this thing called EUV, which is extreme ultraviolet. And even the making of that, um, that light is extraordinarily complex. And that's just one stage in many hundreds that these machines um, have to undertake, and these these machines, by the way, they're probably the most complex machines on earth. You know, they cost several hundred million dollars. They weigh two hundred tons, um, and, and the physics and the chemistry inside them is absolutely extraordinary. Let's move it a little bit back closer to home. Um, there's been some notable UK stocks have fallen out of favour recently due to the economic malaise. But Brunner thinks there might be some movement upwards now. Yeah, so in, in, in the fund, of, you know, I mentioned earlier that we have, you know, a benchmark that um, is 30% the UK, um, so 30% FTSE all share. And we've, t- we've tended to be a little bit un- underweight, you know, preferring opportunities outside the UK. Um, but recently, and, and, and quite famously, uh, some of the, the names that are in the UK market, particularly the domestic names, so those names that aren't geared to export or uh, multinational businesses, particularly the domestic names and the smaller names, um, have really had a tough time. And what's that, what, what that's meant is that we've had an opportunity, I think, to add to some positions and take some new positions in, 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 in companies that we think absolutely pass muster on a sort of quality, you know, value growth basis. Um, I wouldn't say that they're world leaders, but they're, they're good businesses that are, that are good at what they do. And, and very importantly, they have strong balance sheets, and they're generating at present absolutely lots of lots of cash. So, you know, some very high dividends there. Um, and we think they're good businesses. You know, they're, they're not the world's most exciting businesses. They're not the world's fastest growing businesses, but they're they're good at what they do. They generate tons of cash, and they return it to to shareholders. So, just recently, we've taken the opportunity to add to some of those names and, and, and increase our weightings in the domestic markets. Well, I think on that optimistic note, we will wind things up. Thank you very much, Julian. Julian Bishop there, the portfolio co-manager of the Brunner Investment Trust. 
That's all we have time for in this episode of Connected Investor. Make sure you're subscribed to Connected Investor wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't have to go hunting for it next time. And if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts and give a rating so that we can learn for the next time, that would also be appreciated. Now, thank you all for listening. We value your views and we're keen to know what you think. So do get in touch. You can contact us via the website, www.brunner.co.uk. From Julian Bishop and me, Joe Lynham, ta-ta for now.